This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Unemployment benefits are on hold across Washington as the state works to track down more than a million and a half dollars in fraudulent claims. Washington's Employment Security Department saw a 27-fold increase in reports of imposter fraud, and it's only gotten worse since the start of May. Commissioner Susie Levine says they're taking action to make sure those identity thieves don't get away with any more money. For the next two days, we are going to be holding payments. We'll be able to hold those payments for an additional one or two days so we can validate claims as authentic. And she assured people who have legitimate claims they will ultimately be paid their full benefits. We apologize for the hardship this may cause to some valid claimants, but it is a step that we as an organization and as responsible individuals taking care of taxpayer dollars need to take. And Levine clarified that her department has not been hacked. Instead, she says scammers are stealing personal information from outside sources and then using that to apply for benefits. We know there was already this big delay in getting people their payments. And now this, Dave? No, very frustrating. I know our own Chris Sullivan got a notice in the mail that his claim was being handled. Of course, he didn't file one. So he uh, he told them right away and, of course, was having trouble uh, getting the attention because they're already overwhelmed. But I guess that's one way you can one way you can help. If you get something like that in the mail that says you are getting benefits you didn't ask for, let them know. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take them to investigate, but um, that's the kind of help that they need to get past this. The fraud so far is, I think, what what this is about a, about a million and a half dollars. Yeah, one point right? six million. Yeah. All right. Well, in, in the context of of all the money that's going out these days, that's pretty small. But it is annoying, and it also feels like a, a, a violation of your personal space when out of the blue someone you don't know tries to use your identity. Yeah, and, and what uh, Susie Levine was saying is that this rise might be because of that big Equifax data breach there. Uh, she's saying that because so many people's personal information got exposed during that big breach, and now that we have all these additional federal benefits coming in, that scammers uh, are capitalizing. I-, I saw some other reports where, I mean, it's just so simple to go online and pay like $5 to to steal somebody's identity. It's that simple these days. Right. But it also can get you put in jail if you do that. Fair point. And um, uh, so far, we haven't had reports that people have somehow scammed money out of bank accounts to uh, mm-hmm. as part of this. So, And if that happens, of course, banks are liable for that. So uh, let's hope this doesn't go any farther. Right. And by the way, if you are a victim, this is what the Employment Security Department has said, um, saying it won't impact you in the future if you actually do have to apply for benefits. So if you have a legitimate claim and you've been, you know, you're, you've been a victim of identity theft, you should be okay in the long run. And also, of course, victims, they are not responsible for any of the money paid in their name on fraudulent claims. And lastly, of course, if you are a victim here, Reach out to the Employment Security Department. They have resources online. File a police report. You know, reach out to your banks and your and your creditors and all that. So it sounds like you're protected. We hope so. <laughs> the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is out with new guidelines to help schools and businesses decide when to reopen. Some call these recommendations watered down. Here's a sample. Promote good hygiene and hand washing clean and disinfect surfaces more often, encourage social distancing between staff, and allow sick employees to stay home. Now, an earlier and more comprehensive draft was rejected by the White House. 
They argued that those recommendations were too restrictive for counties with fewer coronavirus cases. I think the words they used also was that it was uh, overly prescriptive is what I read. Well, it was long. I'll tell you that. It's 63 pages. I started reading it this morning. After about the 20th page, I said, I'm, <laughs> I, can't, I, can't keep my, I can't keep awake. It's, uh, it mm. was very boring and also not uh, particularly helpful. Mm. I think what, uh, what businesses need are some sort of diagram that shows suggested seating charts, for example, for restaurants or other specific plans on what kind of air exchange system you might need, what the policy should be on temperature, or taking temperature at the door and masks to prevent the spread of the virus. There's a lot of research being done on this. And I'll say in the, in the uh, uh, CDC's defense, in terms of the, the new, more simplified guidelines they issued, uh, you got to put out something that a, a business owner who doesn't have a, a separate you know, uh, consumer safety department can actually implement. And I think that 63-page version was was going to be pretty tough for people to put into effect. Now we're down to like six pages, though. I mean, is that right. is that too little of... Well, I, I, I also read the one page. There, there are six, like one-page uh, prescriptions for various types of businesses. And that was nothing that we don't already know. Mm-hmm. What I uh, what I learned in talking to a, I was interviewing uh, Aaron Bromwich from the University of Massachusetts, who came up with that viral post about how to avoid getting infected. Uh, what Australia has put up is an online tool where you enter what business you're in, uh, what it is you're trying to accomplish, whether it's employee safety or customer safety, and you press the button, and you are directed to the the, the list of precautions that is tailored to you. So as long as we've got this fantastic thing called the internet why not put up a tool like that where you can enter your business the type of business and you will get tailor-made plans including diagrams that you can follow for that matter since the rules of biology are probably the same in australia as they are here you could just go on to the australia website enter your business and, and get the suggestions that they're they're using in australia probably work just as well here Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. There's a petition going around demanding Washington State's reopen its five drive-in movie theaters. And it took off. I mean, you know, 50,000 people signed it in four days. That's Daryl Bratz. He started this petition. He owns the Blue Fox Drive-In Movie Theater in Oak Harbor. The governor has us lumped into movie theaters in phase three, so whatever that date is, which could be as early as June 15th, but he could change things. He argues the drive-in experience is completely different than an indoor theater. Well, when you're in your own car, you're obviously away from anybody else except for the people that are in your car with, which usually is a family that you're in your house with all day long anyway. Okay, is there, a, is there an argument to be had why we shouldn't have drive-in movie theaters at this point? Uh, I don't think so. First of all, we know that outdoors is the safest place to be if you're going to be, among other people, socially distant and want to make sure you don't get infected. It's indoors where the infection really spreads. The problem is that even in a drive-in theater, you have common bathrooms and you have the snack bar. So you probably have to have delivery from the snack bar by people wearing masks, and you'd have to limit access to the bathrooms, which can be difficult when you have, when you have kids. But uh, it seems to me that would be doable. Yeah, I mean, here's how I feel about a lot of these sort of these 
gray areas. It's like at some point you're going to have to trust the the public to police themselves, right? I mean, like if you go to a bathroom in a public setting, you just got to trust people that they're going to wash their hands, right? Yes. And that they're going to wipe down the handle when, they, when they're done. Make that a policy and just trust that it's going to take effect. Yeah. Post the signs. Make sure there are plenty of hand washing stations so people aren't loitering, waiting for one to open up. And uh, and then people can choose whether to go or not. And I think people now have got the message that this can be uh, very easy to catch and that it is, uh, it's not like the flu. So I, I think there's enough healthy fear in people that they will follow these measures. And we'll see how it goes, by the way. Oregon has started reopening their drive-in theaters. The Milton Freewater Drive-In Theater sold out its showings uh, for April 17th and 18th. And then also a drive-in event hosted by the Medford Parks and Recreation Department is happening this weekend. One of my one of my favorite movies, by the way. They're showing The Sandlot tonight. It's a it's a free event, uh, and they are raffling off spots. Oh, and gosh. I would guess to to limit the size of the crowd there. Well, we thought the drive-in was dead. To get ourselves a we will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.